Hello, and welcome to All the Best Bits, our podcast where we do audio commentaries for films that we've talked about on the main show. And on tonight's show, we're doing an audio commentary for The Muppets Christmas Carol. Now, you might be thinking, am I here alone? I'm not. Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Will. <laughs> it's Christmas, and I'm so looking forward to this one. This is one of my favourite Christmas films, so to yeah. get to do a commentary on it, I can't wait. But I'm glad that we're not doing this alone. I'm glad we're bringing in a Muppets specialist, the one and only podcast producing maestro and all-round super Muppets fan, Liam Garrity. Liam, hello. Hello. I want to wave my hands like Kermit. <laughs> Perfect. How's it going? That's great. <laughs> and this is my first time meeting you, Liam, because yeah. I was unfortunately indisposed while you were on the podcast. I loved the chat that you had with Will. It was great. It really sort of like lifted a whole episode. So I'm delighted to have you on this episode. Listen, if anyone rings me looking to talk about the Muppets, I'm ready and waiting on the other end of the line. Always. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, what we're going to do is what we normally do. We sync up our videos and we're going to just hit play and hopefully have some interesting conversation that doesn't go too off topic. And if it does, so what? It's the audio commentary. So that's what it's all about. <laughs> the Muppets are quite meta, so I think we can be quite meta with the commentary. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Liam, do you have your track ready to hit play? I, I'm ready to roll if we do a countdown or something. We'll do a countdown. That's what we're going to do. So uh, after I count down... 20, Okay. Three, two, one, play. And we're off with that Disney logo immediately. I was going to say, I can't remember, is this in the logos for a while there, they had Kermit kind of come in on a director's, um, uh, oh no, it's this one. I haven't seen this logo in ages. In in more recent ones, they had him kind of come down on as if he was like, I don't know, you guys would know, but he's sitting on like a, a kind of a camera crane thing and oh. he would swing in. They've had yeah. so many different logos, the Henson Company. It's been, yes. there we go, in loving memory of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. I'm not sure who Richard Hunt is. So Richard Hunt was one of the main puppeteers. He would have done Scooter. was probably his most famous. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. And he died of AIDS, actually, oh, uh, wow. in the in the 80s. They both kind of died around similar similar time. Damn. Oh, my God. Uh, Liam, you were, you know, as we saw, we've seen pictures of Liam uh, being a super Muppets fan even when he was a kid with all his memorabilia. <laughs> it was fantastic. So, Liam, do you have a memory of watching this for the first time? You know, weirdly, I, in some ways I have a really bad memory. And I was thinking about this today because what I was actually trying to think of was if I remembered as a kid when Jim Henson died. And I actually yeah. have no memory of that, even though it absolutely, I'm sure, would have devastated me. Um, but the only thing I really remember is just having, I still have it, my copy of Muppet Christmas Carol on, on VHS. Classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I actually don't, yeah, I don't really remember seeing this in the cinema weirdly or anything. Did you guys? I didn't. I saw it. It was on TV where I taped it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see it in the cinema. I saw it on uh, video, so I never got to see that deleted scene. Yeah. Well... 
the, yeah, the the song that was cut out. The, the, this is what I was trying to figure out today because I was, I was again, I was reading up on it, and so there was a song. I suppose we'll get to it later in the film when it when it isn't there, I guess. Um, uh, but there was a song that was taken out, um, but it was taken out, I believe, of the theatrical release, but reinstated in the home release and in the initial home release so i'm pretty sure yep. it would still be on the vhs that i have but has yep. subs- but subsequently on dvd blu-ray and right now on on disney plus has been removed from all of them so so i remember that song wait so it's not in disney plus the the this song Is, i don't think so yeah i don't th- i don't think so oh it's my the last God. Yeah, the last time I read Disney, the, the print was uh, apparently missing and Disney were looking for it and they would reinstate it if they did find it. That's I thought they did find it, though. I oh, maybe they, found, they did. Uh, so, we'll find uh, out tonight, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah this will. is it. We're going to have a, an excellent surprise coming up for us. Because it's such a crucial song. It's And it's beautiful. And I just was watching... I watched a couple of documentaries before we came on tonight. And they have like the the document not the footage of when they recorded that in the studio with Michael Caine and the actress yeah, yeah. and oh my god it's it's i was welling up listening to the the actress sing the song and you can see Michael Caine beside her and he's welling up and um and it's so vital to the story and it also epitomizes kind of where things have gone wrong that that decision kind of it's just such a poor decision by the uh, anyway uh, we're and, missing out on the this this is one of my this is my favorite bits of my favorite bit of this film i the critical thing that makes this for me my favorite adaptation of uh, Muppets Christmas Carol is this Gonzo and Rizzo Rat and their introduction as Charles Dickens the narrator and his psyche <laughs> yeah and it's vital it's so vital it elevates this film above all other adaptations because we are hearing a lot of this is Dickens's text. Again, though, the, it's it's very oh, meta. It's like, yeah, and it's a brilliant way to do the story. It's Gonzo is playing Charles. He's playing the author of the movie that we're, we're watching. Yeah, it's so clever. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's weird. Like in the early kind of, you know, uh, ideas for the film, the ghosts, you know, in the movie were going to also be played by like Muppet characters. You know what I mean? So you might have had like mm. animal say as the ghost of christmas oh, past or something wait, wait, wait. yeah but then they kind of decided you know that's gonna distract from the kind of ominous yeah, we're yeah. totally right you know if like animal is like you know supposed to be you know the scary one yeah it, you wouldn't sort of um it, it wouldn't hit home as much and some of the creations that they come up with for those ghosts are mm-hmm. incredible. yeah actually the first uh the ghost of christmas future was in, initially conceived to be played by um gonzo here ah. and yeah, mm-hmm. huh. and the moment they knew they had a film was the moment when Dave Dave Jewell, or sorry, is it Jerry Jewell, Jerry Jewell. screenwriter? Jerry Jewell was the one who came up with the idea of using these guys as the narrator, and um, and when and Brian Henson said that was the moment when they saw when they imagined the film like that. That was the moment they knew they had something. Um, but what a great introduction! I love how this is shot. I love that this music it is. and the music in this film is all the score, all the musical numbers are amazing. Yeah. This is a great, great introduction to Dickens. What was the budget on this? Oh, I don't know. Does anyone Got know? Got it. I don't know. I'm get, I guess we could probably, someone can it Google it. Find out very quickly. Yeah. Bye bye. I remember, uh, <laughs> bye bye. Um, now, I remember reading an interview with Frank Oz saying, like, like you know, to your point, Will, uh, that the music absolutely made this film. It's interesting, actually, because. 
Paul Williams, who did all the music for this movie, also did all the uh, music for the original, the first Muppet Mm -hmm. movie. And also then another Christmas special, um, Emmett uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band. Yeah. And it was weird because, like, for Paul Williams, he went into rehab kind of in the 80s and uh, he, this was his first project. After that, wow. he, he said this was a gateway for him back into songwriting, doing this movie. And apparently when he was there with Michael Caine to kind of record the songs and stuff, you know, he said, oh, listen, uh, re- you know, really lovely to meet you, you know, Mr. Kane. And he's like, yeah. what are you talking about? We spent like, you know, uh, you know, a night out in such and such or whatever. But it just, you know, oh, he's in a blackout. He, he just blacked out for years. Oh, my God. The, the budget was 12 million for this. Huh. Oh, wow. Which is which is less than what the budget was for the Great Muppet Caper, and yeah, it looks. <laughs> Do you know, it, it's funny you should say that because so like just before Jim Henson um, uh, died, he had been kind of there hadn't been a new Muppet movie like um, or sorry, the last Muppet movie was um, Muppets Take Manhattan, t- Take Manhattan, and yeah. then uh, you know hadn't he'd moved on to all these other projects, you know, Dark Crystal Labyrinth and stuff. But Jerry Jewell had actually been working away on a Muppet script in the background for a film that was supposed to be, you know, uh, kind of planned to be coming out in 1989. And it was called The Cheapest Muppet Movie Ever Made. <laughs> oh, that is a great title. That is a great title. It's such title. a good title. And the whole, <laughs> I love it. The whole, the whole concept is, is that Gonzo, you know, is going to direct this. Kermit allows Gonzo to write and direct this kind of like action kind of movie but Gonzo <laughs> spends all the money on the opening sequence and so they, they oh that's keep, brilliant uh, it is actually really good and they and the premise is that they have uh, as the film goes on they've less and less money and so the film apparently was going to deteriorate as the film went on it would eventually be in Super 8 and it would then it would, then it would <laughs> eventually end with storyboards oh wow yeah oh. Well, that and might then, be too. That might be committing too much to the bit. I think. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like that would have just been at the end, and then apparently Gonzo was supposed to kind of sell out and go corporate to get the money to have a big <laughs> dazzling finish at the end. Can I say one thing that I don't particularly like about the current iteration of the Muppets? And and God forgive me if this is blasphemous, <laughs> but I I think when they're too inside, when they're too sort of like slick within the Hollywood system. Like the the recent reboot TV show that they had, I it, it sort of they they feel less like underdogs and more like insiders, and I I don't particularly like that one. They're like uh, yeah, that's a too good point. polished. Yeah, no, that's a good point because I suppose the whole thing is that they are like the underdogs. They're like you know in the in the Muppet Show they were constantly being threatened uh, of eviction from the theater. Yeah, like, you yeah. know the the guy who owned it and stuff, who uh, Scooter's uncle. Yeah, I, you know the thing is from in the last few weeks since doing this episode, I've really also really gotten into the Muppets again, and I started watching the old the the first the original TV show that's on that's Disney so, Plus here. So good. Oh. It's fantastic. It really like is. the humor, the each each uh, bit 
has got like multiple funny gags that's working for like we watched it as a family and we were all enjoying them and the the music numbers are fun and it's always just popping and there's great energy and ah like listen if you're listening to this now and you haven't watched that those original Muppet show go on Disney plus forget about the new stuff go back to the old stuff in 1970s and it is fantastic really brilliant it is this is just a very pretty looking film though it's just if this didn't even have the Muppets in it if it was just sort of like a a movie with Michael Caine and and everyone was else was a human actor yeah it would still look gorgeous yeah it's beautifully Beautifully photographed yeah and you're gasping this is one of my favourite gags (laughs) I love this gag this is a great gag (laughs) it's where uh, Rizzo and his um his rat friends are trying to ask for more heating for those that are listening along without watching. And uh, yeah. he barks at them and <laughs> <laughs> they immediately... <laughs> Wait, this is our island in the sun. <laughs> so Rizzo, Rizzo is my favourite Muppet. And I'd love to know what your favourite Muppet is. Um, Either one of you. I'll, I'll let Lima answer before me. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll probably have to think about it too. But one thing that springs to mind, sorry, just that you mentioned Rizzo was in, in the kind of uh, the second most recent... Muppet, or no, no, it was the last Muppet movie where Muppets Most Wanted, where they have this like gag that just crushes me, where uh, um, they have uh, Robin, uh, Kermit's nephew, and Rizzo like come out and and oh, I actually forget the gag now, but it's something about kind of like you know uh, like for, forgotten Muppets or Muppets who aren't used anymore, and like Robin and Rizzo kind of like come out. Oh, uh, that's horrible! Yeah, uh. yeah. Who's the um that I watched because I was trying to watch as much as I could and I'll tell you I was really sort of thrown by how much Disney and Pixar have borrowed from the Muppets like the concepts that the Muppets came up with first and presented uh, to the world first that you know we're talking about Rizzo and in the Muppets Take Manhattan Rizzo is working in the restaurant uh, and then flash forward years later and you've got Ratatouille and the rat is, is in the restaurant oh cooking, yeah uh, and the Christmas toy which is oh, almost a one, yes. one comparison to Toy Story it's like I was telling Will about it and mm-hmm. it almost felt like a, a bit too um, uh, a bit too pointed of a comment to make on the on the episode but I, I can't believe that everyone that was involved in Toy Story was uh, all unaware of the Christmas toy because that was like a, a major Christmas special, and I mean, you've got hundreds of people at Pixar. I mean, maybe maybe they were. This is see, I can never f- figure this kind of stuff out. Like you know, m- like maybe they were, and 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 we're like, oh, this is it's still a cool idea. Or also, maybe it's not like an idea that pr- like surely someone had also done a book or something of that similar story about toys coming to life i don't know i mean you've got a space a space toy that's coming in and is unaware (laughs) that it's a a toy and you have the the kid's favorite toy feeling that it's going to be replaced and it's like that's exactly woody and buzz's relationship and yeah, I don't know. But there was there was loads of things like that. But the reason I brought it up was I was watching one of the, the specials that had... Um, oh, what's her name? Ashanti. Uh, it was the Wizard of Oz one that they did. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's I, very low budget. But uh, they have um, the lobster character, that lobster Muppet, who I don't see that much anymore. Uh, is it Pepe? The- Pepe, yeah. The King Prawn. <laughs> 
Um, he's he's um, he was in the the he's like the uh, psychic with Gonzo uh, in the latest Muppets Halloween special. Um, he he, he kind of he's not in this film though, is he? I'm not sure he was around at this this film because I think he was introduced during um, Muppets Tonight, which was the TV series comeback that came. There was a whole raft of like new Muppet characters that that came in Muppets Tonight, which would have been after this movie was made. Mm. So like uh, who Bobo the Bear? Uh, oh God, who else? There was a whole load of them, um, and actually mm. Peppy was a double act with this kind of blue aardvark character and it obviously didn't really work in the tv series but people <laughs> like pepe so they just kept pepe in the kind of the rest of the movie oh he's great he's he is almost like a he is almost like an amalgamation of animal and, and rizzle yeah yeah and i think i mean since so like so steve whitmire is basically was the puppeteer who took over from jim henson to play kermit uh, and he also played rizzo um, and so the muppet christmas carol was the first you know big thing where steve where Jim Henson wasn't Kermit, um, mm. you know, and Steve Whitmore was. Um, but then you might might remember a couple of years ago, Disney fired Steve Whitmore. Yeah, why did they fire him? Yeah, they, you, yeah, they, well, what they said was that he was like being a bit kind of like demanding, and he was being a bit intrusive. It was very vague. Yeah, I don't know. So there's, is there a different, because when I watched uh, Kermit doing a TED talk, was that Steve Whitmore or was that the, th- the next it de- it de- person? I, it depends what time. So I think uh, as far as I remember, uh, so the next person was Matt, Vo- who's the current Kermit is Matt Vogel. And I think he's been doing it for maybe, I want to say six years, but I could be wrong. Um, he's been doing it a, a good while. Okay, so 2015 was the TED Talk with Kermit. So, mm, yeah, because Kermit didn't sound like Kermit during that TED Talk. Well, this, this I, is, oh, sorry, go on. Will. I was just, I was just going to. I just think Kermit hasn't sounded right in the last few years. He just has not sounded like himself. This is what's so. I'm so interested in this discussion, right? Because so Kermit hasn't sounded like you know, the original Kermit, Jim Henson's Kermit, like literally yeah. since like 1989 uh, or 1990, I suppose, if he did anything in, in that year. Yeah. But then, but then Steve Whitmer did like literally performed him for 20 years. Yeah. So for, it's interesting because I follow a lot of Muppet fan sites and, uh, well, I'm not like totally into like, you know, there, there's kind of Muppet fanatics now or, or Muppet fandoms uh, in the way that they're Star Wars fandoms, which I can't stand but uh but <laughs> the interesting thing is that like for a lot of younger people like steve whitmer is their kermit you know what i mean because yeah. every movie mm. they would have seen is you know was uh you know his actually weird a weird kind of thing that people are saying about matt vogel the latest kermit is uh that his singing as kermit is perfect but when he talks he just doesn't sound like him wow right 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 don't know why that is i was uh I was watching an interview with, um, uh, oh God, is, is it Paul Williams? Yeah. Um, the, yeah. yeah. Paul Williams and Kenny Asher. And they were saying that when they were recording the Rainbow Connection with uh, Jim Henson, it wasn't sounding right in the studio until uh, Paul Williams said to him, do you know what? Bring out the puppet and record as Kermit. And as soon as he started performing, as Kermit, the song just came alive, and wow. he said it was amazing that that 
just having that little extension of himself just allowed the song to to to, to actually just blossom. So, wow, that's yeah. amazing. That's I found some class uh, behind the scenes documentaries for this Muppets, um, this Christmas Carol, and um, <laughs> look at one the of them. <laughs> I love them. These guys, the rats. Yeah. The um, oh, he's yeah, yeah. the brushing it, pushing into the pan, um, and what was amazing is that um, Michael Caine was on set and he didn't realize, like for instance. Brian Henson had never directed a film before. And he was just, <laughs> it was about a, he was like, are you serious? After about several weeks, they went, oh, you know, this is Brian's first film. He was like, why? He was like, don't believe it. But he was also talking about how when he first went in. That's a he, credit to Brian Henson. It really was. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, oh, he's, he's done a fantastic job like directing this. But he was also talking about dealing with the Muppets, like, you know, because he obviously never performed with a Muppet before. And uh, he just said it was so natural. Initially, there was like this an initial disconnect where you go, oh, God, there's a person right there off camera. But he said after a few seconds, after for, uh, literally a few minutes, he said he just stays. He, he, he just engaged with them even off camera as a characters. He just he would talk to the puppet. Look at that. He said a few times that this is one of his favorite films that he's done in his entire career. So and Michael Caine ah. has done, you know. 100, at least thousand. 150 films mm. so and the first and he's one he's done it. probably it is yeah, yeah it's the first before. time yeah he never sang on stage or stage or screen I love I reason. remember seeing that as a kid <laughs> <laughs> but he said but you know in the, but it's a beautiful thing in that one of the documentaries because it was like in the recording studio when they were shooting the, they were, he was recording obviously they recorded the songs in a recording studio and played them back on set so he wasn't singing live on set but when he was um, singing he said uh, he was really like he was singing that lovely song uh, you know that's been cut from the film and he was kind of croaking <laughs> and he was um he was kind of croaking his uh, his his singing, and when intentionally did it as well. And he, when he finished, he said, "You know what? I'm not trying to do my Cain accent. <laughs> you know what?" He said, "I remember my first acting teacher, and he said, play into your weaknesses, and that's what I'm doing.'" No, I'm, he said, "He said use the difficulty." That's what he said, Kevin. He <laughs> said, "Use the difficulty," and he says, "That's what I'm doing. Just use it. I can't sing. That's my difficulty. Yeah. I'm going to use it." He said, yeah, yeah, he said it works for the character to, to not be in tune. Here's, I think, are we, yes, we're going to have our Shooting Stars. So Shooting Stars is something that's in, uh, I think, every Muppet movie, um, if not most of them, uh, that started kind of with the very first one. And it's something that's sort of kind of crept in ever since. When oh. you wish, but when you when you believe upon a morning star is the line from uh, Rainbow Connection. I want to point something so. else out that we just saw. Right, so Commerce walked away, but the camera panned down. We saw that cute little bunny rabbit wrapped up in the in paper, shivering in the cold. Mm-hmm. That for me is is what's good about this film. It shows you a character kind of suffering. suffering. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, it's true. I, no, seriously, the su- there's suffering in the original cut of this film. There's suffering, and that's what gives the. I remember I talked. We've talked about it a couple of times in the last while, Kevin, about what for me makes a a quintessential great Christmas uh, story is about characters being out in the cold and uh, uh, eventually finding their way into the warmth 
of the of by the fire with the family with a community and this film really captures that sense of being in, in, Scrooges in the cold, but other characters are in the cold. Um, uh, uh, bloody Cormorant Bob Cratchit, his family are in the cold, and mm. there's warmth, is, you know, and it really, it's a tearjerker. This film is a tearjerker, no question about it. Sorry, I ranted there for a second. <laughs> no, you're right. I love this effect when I was, when I was, when I first saw it as well, that morphing of the door knocker into. Which one? Uh, I don't know. What's the name of the the two? So, yeah, Wendell. I always confuse them. Statler and Waldorf. Stat- Statler and Waldorf. It's like Ant and Deck. I'm not sure which is which. Yeah. I'm sure they might do they the always Ant and Deck thing. It's who's left on the left. Right. Left to right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Statler's on the left and we'll listen to right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, did you watch the same documentary as me, Kevin? Because it was Brian Henson being interviewed by Rizzo and Gonzo. And what's what was lovely about it was that they were taking the mick out of him and you could see Brian Henson just kind of cracking up with them and just like <laughs> they were, you could see they were taking the piss out of him and um, what I found really uh, lovely about uh, Jim Henson was that he he created Fraggle Rock just so that he could give his puppeteers consistent work uh, wow and then he ended up just completely falling in love with that show and it became sort of like a it became a welcome distraction for him after the really bruising response to uh, the Dark Crystal which was you know one of his passion projects yeah. and yeah it took a it, a, a very unfair kicking and, An- uh, another I suppose on the point of Fraggle Rock another really lovely Christmas special that's it's probably it's one of my favourite things the Muppets have did was the Muppet Family Christmas um, oh yes yeah all the, all yeah, yeah. not only all the Muppets but all the Muppets from Sesame Street and all the Fraggles mm-hmm. and all of the characters they all come together to stay in like Fozzie Bear's mother's Fozzie's house. grandmother's oh it's his um, mother yeah yeah, yeah for cr- seen this oh it's it's really good um, and apparently that was the thing uh, that that was that had been made like there hadn't been a Muppet thing for a good few years and they made that special really quickly um, and the response to it was so lovely that apparently um, Jim Henson was kind of so like kind of shocked that these characters were still kind of you know adored or beloved that that was he had slightly moved on from them oh yeah yeah definitely yeah and that was what kind of um, got him to get Jerry Jewell to start working on the screenplay for the the cheapest Muppet movie ever made (laughs) (laughs) yeah it opens with the uh, the human character the the sort of the caretaker guy from Fraggle Rock wanting to um, to rent a room at uh, Fozzie's mother's house uh, f- so he can have some downtime with his dog you know he used to have that little uh, furry dog that would always Doc see the Doc and Loved it I have a good fact I have a good fact about Doc Go uh, on Doc the actor uh, Jerry Parks was born in Dublin What? Was he? Yeah he was born in the Liberties Oh my god I have a, a fact for you about that character so that character and that uh, sort of framing device that they had, which was the, the human character sort of uh, living above the, the Fraggles, in each different territory, like in France or in um, Spain or places like that or South America, they would recast the character with a local actor and they would say the same dialogue and what have you, but it would be a uh, native actor to that territory that would um, perform the same role. This is what this is what I that's clever. That I loved that, and this is what I never understood is that as kids, 
am I right in saying that like when I as when I watched Fraggle Rock when it was on TV like here in Ireland, we got the American Fraggle Rock, which was we did, Jerry, yeah. Jerry Parks. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of fitting because he was born in Dublin, so he's kind of like the Irish. Um, but uh, it's surprising that we didn't get the English one because there, there was an English, uh, you know, uh, it was a lighthouse keeper in England. Uh, what was there? I'd never seen that. Wow. I know, and you would have thought, like, because we obviously, when we were growing up, we, you know, you just got so much stuff from England. It was so surprising that we just didn't get the English version. There's, there's a weird thing, though, with the way that we speak, which is that we sort of pronounce our words a lot more in line with the American pronunciation of things rather than the English pronunciation of things. Huh. So we would say schedule, like Americans, not schedule, like the English. And there's there's lots of sort of things like that where we uh, are sort of more closer aligned with the Americans, oddly, than the English in terms of huh. just our language. That you've just reminded me on. I know we're t- we're way off topic now, but just you reminded me on Fraggle Rock. As a kid, uh, Fraggle Rock hadn't been on TV for ages, and I wrote a letter to RTE like when I was like ten. Good <laughs> <laughs> man to put Fraggle Rock back on the air. And I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Presumably, it was going to happen anyway. I'm not sure, but they wrote me a letter back saying, "Oh yeah, it's going to be start. It's you know, it's we're going to put it back on like in." couple of months or something like that so i thought as a kid that i had made fraggle rock come back on tv but presumably it was in the schedule or something there's a chance you did liam there's a chance it's a you very did. small chance yes i think you know that's one of those stories that you just you just repurpose and say <laughs> yeah yeah i changed the world for so many irish kids you know <laughs> but it's, back it's funny fraggle though rock. because the fraggles he 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 wanted the specify the, the difference between the Fraggles and the Muppets and, and Sesame Street and the whole purpose of them was about uh, creativity and creating things and purpose and work and it was you know a lot of the, the storylines of Fraggle Rock with the characters sort of uh, coming to terms with them having a purpose or not having a will or, or any ambition and uh, you know what were those what were they call little the doozers. tiny little guy the doozers I love them yeah there was a storyline with one of the doozers who didn't want to be a builder and <laughs> um, he just he didn't feel like that that was his purpose in life and the whole storyline was about him uh, learning that he could be an architect and that wow. was his sort of like a, a, that was the storyline of that episode where it was like some people have different paths in life and yeah, yeah it, it was fascinating the sort of the the direction that he takes some of the shows and, and guide. Uh, it's it's brilliant. And you know, it's coming back. Is it? What, Freckle Rock? Yes. Yeah, so what happened was last year, uh, dur- during COVID, they made a, a kind of a, a, a Fraggle, a short uh, Fraggle, HBO made a, a short Fraggle Rock series from home. Um, so it was like uh, all the doozers were kind of zooming each other right. uh, through these this contraption that the doozers had built or all the fraggles were, were zooming each other um, and but anyway no but there's a full full reboot it's it's already I think it's already filmed that, so that will be coming out next year fingers crossed and it, and, and being filmed in Canada again uh, which is where the original one was um, yeah it was yeah. quite an international operation with London and New York and Canada and Uncle Travelling Matt, of course. Oh, I loved him. I loved <laughs> him. Where is he this week? I found my way into a place called the 
garbage pit. No, what was it? <laughs> garbage dump. There's many interesting things here. <laughs> the rats great. don't talk like Rizzo. Indiana Jones. <laughs> he talks, you know, the um, the performer who performs Rizzo, I can't remember his name. Steve Whitmer. He talk- Steve, yes, Whitmer. Steve Whitmer. Steve Whitmer was saying in one of those in- interviews, he said how Jim believed, or he just just thought that you know the world works in. There we go. Cycles. He just kissed him on the nose. Ah, it's a beautiful <laughs> moment. Beautiful moment. And I have uh, a, I've a bed just like this, by the way. Four posters. <laughs> just pull the curtains. I said, "Night, night, world." <laughs> I'm going to play with puppets. This scene right here is Brian Henson's favorite scene in the film. He just loves. He said it doesn't move the plot along. It doesn't do anything. It's just the humor of it. Those are some of the best scenes that yeah. uh, I think get whittled out of productions because people just sort of adhere to mm. formula so much where it's like every scene has to push the story along. So no, yeah. they don't. Some scenes can just illuminate the characters. And For those who yeah, can't see what we're seeing, this is a, where Rizzo's climbing over the, over the gate and <laughs> he just, uh, Gonzo's saying, I'm going to catch you. And Rizzo says, okay, I'm, a, I'm scared of two things, heights and falling from them. And then Gonzo, he jumps, Gonzo moves forward, Rizzo lands on the floor and um, Rizzo then goes back, he's left his little bag behind and he just walks straight through the bars. He could have just walked through the bars all along. <laughs> Again, it's just funny. Liam, can I ask you? Yes. Why did Brian Henson only do two Muppet movies? Was it, as I would assume, down to the reaction in the box office of uh, Treasure Island? It probably was. I mean, I suppose we have to think like Brian Henson was made, when his father died, Brian Henson was made president of the Henson Company when he was 27. Um, Wow. And then... Is he the eldest? Um, I don't... Was he the eldest? No, I think one of his sisters is, is older. I think Cheryl Henson... Um, still, they're all still involved. Most of them are still involved in the Henson Company. Um, but he had done it. He, I think, he had kind of done the most kind of work with, you know, with uh, with his dad. But yeah, I, I presume it was down to to Muppet Treasure Island, because I I think I was probably saying to Will when when we were chatting on the phone that I think they tried to recapture Muppet Christmas Carol what it had yeah. done by doing another adaptation uh, and it didn't work so well and i suppose the other thing is that like obviously like it was well received at the time but obviously it we love it way more now if do you know what i mean because it's a classic muppets now. oh yeah yeah totally but i i think oh here sorry here's one of the absolute creepiest ghosts creations uh this Hello. one used to freak me out when i was a kid oh really this yeah, one i always thought it was quite ethereal and gentle and fluffy looking and was like uh, uh, it's I, a bit more dark crystal than than it, yeah it's more Jim Henson's shot, feature shop. Though. They initially tried to. This is the Ghost of Christmas Past. They initially tried to do it in a, in a vat of oil, and that didn't work. But so they shot all this in. It was she, she's floating in a tank of water. So it's all her shot in a tank of water. That's giving her. Is she the Ghost of Christmas effect. Past? Oh no, she's not the Ghost. Of, she's the. Um, she's just basically there's more ghosts to come isn't that what she's saying she's basically no no, that's the ghost no no, she's the (laughs) Liam knows this better no no I don't I don't but is she she not the ghost of Christmas past and then there's present and future is it yeah in that order there's three ghosts yeah there's three I've watched this every year (laughs) how can I forget not only have we watched this movie we watched gazillions of other adaptations of Christmas Carol yeah we can't get the order of the ghosts right it's definitely, that's definitely the order. It's definitely past, present, future. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
There's a lovely scene though in um, Treasure Island, the the Muppet Treasure Island, where Miss Piggy's introduction, where she's um, <laughs> they have this big sort of like big uh, bombastic introduction. It's like, oh, who's this gonna be? And she comes out at the top of the staircase, and she's quite high on herself, and then she slips on the first step and she falls all the way down the hundred <laughs> steps <laughs> in front of the guys after they've done this huge big grandiose introduction to her and picks herself up and is like huh it's just it's, I love that it's funny actually like Miss Piggy when you think about it like Miss Piggy's quite a, a, a great but small role like in this movie oh yeah which is kind of interesting as like you know one of the major Muppets but what's funny is they exploit that in the DVD yes. extras or she's like going it would be great if there was a Mrs. Scrooge and <laughs> she's getting really really annoyed about her the size of a role although I suppose um, it's she's like- a she's a fantastic creation though oh. just like because there's nothing else like her in pop culture yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and I suppose it is great casting that like this is a role that she would absolutely like <laughs> never you know would hate you know the dowdy kind of Mrs. Cratchit. Yeah. If you were to say like a, a Miss Piggy type, you'd know exactly what kind of person that is. <laughs> yeah. I love 100%. the gag when they landed in the snow and there's a Rizzo Rand lands right in front of this ginger cat, and the cat looks so evil. This is probably <laughs> this is probably why I ended up uh, uh, falling for Rizzo so much and him being my favorite Muppet is because of this film and because of all the, the sort of the side gags with him. He's just such a I love me such an uppity little character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But also, he's he's also kind of like on edge the entire time. He gets bashed around a lot. But he's he just takes, he takes his, be- he takes his licks quite well. He's just like going, oh, well, <laughs> it's back for the next thing. Because everybody hates rats. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like cats to laugh from. <laughs> oh, I love it. I always find this quite heartbreaking. This I love those bus. No, we're, oh, we're back in. Fantastic. That looks like Peter Utsnuff. <laughs> we're back in, in in when Scrooge was a kid and he's boarding school. And um, I always found this really heartbreaking as well to see Scrooge as a little boy, kind of alone in the in the classroom while everyone else is outside playing. Yeah. Could I could I say another thing that I didn't mention on the episode? And I had it in my head to mention, and it slipped my mind. But I was sort of a, a bit startled by how few, um, not just female Muppets, but female Muppet performers would that would use their voice. I know there's, there's been a few since then, but in the original days, it was just Miss Piggy and and the chicken and and that was and there, Janice. There was... But Janice was, I was shocked when Janice spoke. It was like that. Well, that's not her voice. Yeah, the, right. I mean, in the original, in the Muppet TV series, there would have been a, f- the, the, yeah, you're right, like, there would have been very few characters. Um, the only one that came close to kind of being, even though she's not major at all, really, but coming close to being a, a recurring character was performed by Louise Gold, uh, the first British puppeteer on, on the Muppet show. And the character, oh, what was her name? Peggy Sue, I think it was. And basically, she was another pig. And she was kind of, you know, Miss Piggy yeah. was quite jealous of her. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you're right. Uh, you know, there the, the really hasn't, like, and she kind of fell off the radar then. You know, so there's there's way more in Sesame Street. It was just when I heard Janice's voice, I, I was like, oh, that does not. Actually, Janice was, was by Richard Hunt. 
who we saw at the start that the film was dedicated to along with Jim Henson that was another oh, okay. of, that was another of his characters and he actually another another side note he was the first performer of Elmo on Sesame Street and if you look at early clips Elmo like talks like this <laughs> same thing with Fuzzy yeah yeah exactly yeah but then apparently one day the story goes that uh, Richard Hunt kind of walked into the like the I don't know the dressing room or behind the scenes or whatever and uh, like took Elmo off his hand and threw him across the room as the chap who, who did him for a while I can't remember his name has gone out of my head the one about the documentary being Elmo that performer yeah. Kevin someone or other but um, oh yes, right yeah he threw Elmo across the room and was like see what you can do with this like I hate this character he couldn't find like Elmo even Elmo's personality was like more kind of like and now like Elmo is like an icon oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah 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 but what um, happened when he when he yeah, the, the Kevin got the character oh yeah he got it and, and just like gave it this this gave Elmo like his voice that he has now uh, did he get into a lot of trouble actually for saying voicemail or or he was recorded behind the scenes like having Elmo curse and stuff like that and it leaked I think no well possibly but I, I um I, well obviously the the major thing that happened with the I'm going to just try and find his name just so um, make sure I say, say his name properly but um he was Kevin Clash Okay. He he was basically there was allegations against him. Some some like young men had come out and and basically said there was various kind of assaults or something. And so at that time, happy Christmas, everyone! Yeah, happy Christmas. <laughs> so at the time, then then he you know Sesame Street and and him you know it was just like well you know you can't continue to be Elmo like with this even though mm-hmm. you know there was nothing uh, nothing kind of ended up coming of it or whatever but uh so now he has a new uh performer um the voice of which you know you couldn't tell the difference um and uh, actually that's an excellent documentary if you haven't seen it being elmo and it was filmed before all those allegations came out but it's actually it's a fantastic documentary and to give him and i suppose to give him his uh due credit he's but he was cleared of those allegations um in court by the way so at least that, apparently. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he was, he, he, yeah, like he's back, you know, not in any major way, but he did puppeteer on the on the latest Dark Crystal TV series. Oh, okay. Uh, but which I loved. Which I loved too, yes. Did you really? I love, oh, what? Oh, no, I can't have this conversation. <laughs> I loved it yeah. so much. I love seeing Fuzzy Bear. Yeah, well, I have, I, have a, I have a backstory to that. But um, I just <laughs> want to say that I absolutely loved the montage of young Ebenezer growing up in the classroom, the sort of mm. the transitions. Yes, yeah. Just that loneliness. And the first person to show him warmth is uh, this employer. Um, oh, what's his name again? What's Fuzzy's Fuzzy Wig. name? Fuzzy, Fuzzy Wig. Fuzzy Wig in this, yeah. Yeah. And which we're coming close to that really you know, vital scene that was being <laughs> it <was> a popsicle. <laughs> it's class. Um, oh yes, the, again, the vital scene of the song being cut. Is, of the song yeah. being cut, yeah. We'll see if it's here or if it's not here. It's not not there quite yet. But. There's another song happening uh, coming up right now, though. In this in this uh, uh, inn that they're in. Oh yeah, definitely. I think the electric mayhem will probably. <laughs> Animal. 
<laughs> yeah, I think everyone's yeah. How could Animal not be up there as one of your favorites? Like, I, I I love the way this is a rubber chicken factory, and they've got like the the clown shoes and stuff <laughs> like that's because outside it had like fuzzy wig and mom. They cast all the Muppets really well as well in their side character in their sort of yeah. like side roles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking when I was um, thinking about this, I was like, why don't they try it again? Like, can we, like, this whole taking on classic properties, like, you know, imagine them doing, I don't know, Shakespeare stuff and, you know. Nah, I don't know. not Shakespeare. I, don't, I know, maybe not Shakespeare, but like, you know, looking for older properties and actually see if we can inject life into them. Um, yeah, it didn't there, work on Treasure Island, but could we do something else? Um, there was, uh, I'm desperately trying to Google it now because I, I can barely remember, but uh, the, the so you, you know the musical, Broadway musical Avenue Q, yeah. Um, yeah. And and so that was Robert Lopez and I can't remember the other guy's name, but Robert Lopez then after Avenue Q, Robert Lopez obviously went on to the Book of Mormon and Frozen and all these big <laughs> things. But before that b- before they were kind of famous around the time of kind of uh just before Avenue Q, they won a grant uh to kind of basically just like here's 30 grand to go and work on a project that you'd lo- love to do and um they basically wrote like a, a full suite of songs and a treatment for a new Muppet movie that, uh, which was going to be called Kermit, Prince of Denmark. <laughs> and, 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 and you can look these up on YouTube, the, the songs, they, they recorded the songs themselves and they just do all the voices themselves. Um, wow. And, and it's, it's um, like it's ama- I like and and especially because Robert Lopez went to be went on to be such a successful like songwriter Oscar winning songwriter like I'm just like why has no one at Disney went oh let's go back and make this like they've literally written it there's literally yeah. like ten well, songs you know from it but uh, thankfully we at least have the recordings of them and they're oh, great wow. definitely worth checking out you could do Muppets Prisoner of Zenda I would I would love to see Muppets Oliver Twist. I'd love to see maybe mm, Robin Hood. Uh, uh, oh yes, Oliver, I'd like to see Oliver Twist is a, is not uh, is a bit too downbeat. I think. Ah well, uh, come here. I'm sure they can. <laughs> if you spin it in the Muppets, give it a happy end. I wrote an Oliver Twist movie. Oh sorry. sorry. Okay, you know what? <laughs> well, if you'll see a lot of like, if you go back and watch the original Muppet TV show. You know, you'll see a lot of. I think they did a Robin Hood party. They did a whole episode uh, with Brooke Shields. Um, that's a, an Alice in Wonderland adaptation, like the, an entire episode. Wow! So there's loads of like great uh, kind of adaptations. They need something sweet. There needs to be a, a sweet core to uh, to the story. I think. Yeah, it's it's funny you should say that. I don't know if you're like I was reading a lot about like Frank Oz talking about how you know the characters uh, at it's, their core need a sweetness. Oh, this is it. Is well, hopefully to keep them. But this is this. Hopefully, oh, to keep no. the song. I think it, this is the scene. It's this the, is the scene. scene. The song definitely hasn't started yet. Yeah, fingers so, crossed. Skip, skip, skip. Oh, okay. Kevin, because, you're because, <laughs> <laughs> no, because if the lyrics come up, we'll do a karaoke. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll oh, perform yeah. the song. Yeah, we, the love is gone. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Sorry, Alima, I was going across. You were talking about Frank Oz. Oh, uh, oh no! I was just saying that. Um, yeah, like Frank Oz is kind of very much about like saying the characters have this sweetness to him, but it's not. You know, it's a it's a wholesome kind of honest sweetness, and not kind of a sickly sweetness. And I think he gets really mad anytime kind of they make the characters like cute. Mm. Also, 
too knowing is my thing when they feel like they're uh, they're too inside as I was saying earlier on mm, where, no, they, they cut the song they yeah, cut the song yeah, yeah, the, the song, song yeah. the song's gone that's where the song should be and the song's not there and what uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is reacting to is he's got tears in his eyes and that's it's bizarre. the end of the song yep Put in the song. It's the. It is actually the best number of in this whole film. Put it back. I, in. I think you're right, Kev. I would say that, but it's definitely it important to the story. It's Im- Im- empirically the best. I've put my song. A songometer is on behind me, <laughs> and I've put it. I've measured them all, and it's come out a hundred percent. And wasn't it? It was the famous Jeffrey Katzenberg who were, who was like, you know, cut this song, get it out. That man yeah. has. Uh, he's got some. <laughs> He's got some stories behind him. He's just had so many run-ins with people. Oh, because he thought, oh, it's it's too downbeat for a family movie. And I think, as I, as I alluded to earlier on, that epitomizes what's gone wrong with the the, the the them thinking that darkness is there's no there's no place for darkness in family films. Yeah, bullshit. Family, you know, stories have darkness to them. If you don't have dark, you need a balance of darkness and light in all stories. And anyway, oh, this is my favorite. I love Christmas <laughs> present. I love Christmas present. He's fantastic. He's Come in and know me better, man. Oh, I love him. I just want to hug him. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably five men inside there. It's just two. No, it's just I, one. I was, was trying to one. say, I was, I didn't get a chance to say it earlier on, but the Swedish chef had human hands and it was really off putting. Uh-huh. Yeah, Swedish Chef always had human hands. Yeah. Oh, it's very, it's distracting. Yeah, no, I love this. <laughs> there are some. There's you. bloopers you can look up uh, for Christmas Carol, and, and a few of them involve this character. So must have been quite <laughs> difficult inside that costume. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, uh, yeah. what was the? Oh, you, maybe this will jog your memory because I, I have a vague memory of it. There was a there was a blooper reel of them behind the scenes trying to um was it roll a tire uh, along um, oh yeah so that was from uh, Emmett Otter's jug band that was the other christmas special that Paul Williams did the songs for oh yeah, my god I, I felt so bad for them where it was like take 2 take 3 take 4 take 16 take 27 take 30 oh no just yeah, it was just this this tire. All that needed to happen was like this tire to kind of roll uh, up into this door. I think go into the go into yeah. the door or something. Um, yeah, and I you think you could actually, just feel the frustration when they were like, "Fuck!" Yeah, I think you can hear <laughs> them swearing like by take fifty or whatever it is. <laughs> I've always been so Liam. You've been you you've operated a puppets and stuff like that yeah what's the stamina like what's the the oh do you get cramps in your arm like how oh do you- my god the, like oh yes yes you do it's actually it's it's it is so bad and i think i don't i think i might have mentioned this on the on the podcast but i interviewed dave golds once who performs gonzo and he said oh this is sorry this is bobby benson's baby band who oh, always in the muppet show but i love the way they just introduce these you know characters who like from the muppet show who were just briefly one in. of them was statler and waldorf's uh, um uh grandson oh <laughs> yeah, that's amazing um <laughs> 
But yeah, no, that there are. It's it's you, you would think like it. You think see most people like it. You know, you hold up your hand and you kind of flap your your hand. You know, for the mouth or whatever, and people kind of think, oh, that's easy, easy to do. But if you're doing that movement of opening and closing and holding a kind of heavy puppet oh. on your on your arm, so like what happened? What used to happen to me? Are they heavy? It, it's. I, I suppose with the Muppets, pr- probably they probably try and design them like as lightweight as possible. But like they might have servos, but some of them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like some of the like on on the uh, series that I puppeteered on uh, wasn't a Muppet thing, but yeah, the my arm would just like get really cramped, and like I would call it the claw. Like my whole hand would like <laughs> seize up, and literally would have to stop like shooting for like a couple of minutes and I would just be it was really embarrassing because I would just be on the floor like lying down waiting for my and with all the crew like standing around me like just wait uh, you know because I've often gotten cramps just if I'm on uh, the phone too long and I'm holding up the phone to my ear it's like I've got a cramp in my arm oh yeah it's like I I haven't done it in probably probably three years or something and I, I tried to do it recently for like a video and I swear to god it was only like a one minute video that I was lip syncing to and it, I, it was so sore um, sorry but the thing I was going to say was I, I interviewed Dave Golds before who does Gonzo and he was saying if he had have known how difficult and challenging physically it was he might never have got into it because he said he ha- he's had several back surgery wow um, operations you know on him and i like totally like if you're you know if it's your full-time job and you're doing it like every yeah, day i'm sure i don't know how they do it because you see the behind the scenes pictures and they're, they're standing with their arms straight up in the air and yeah. it's like how do you how do you hold yourself in that stress position for for hours at a time yeah yeah absolutely yeah 100 percent you know, and they're all squashed. Uh, like, there's a wonderful uh, photo from behind the scenes of the Muppet Show where Frank Oz is performing Miss Piggy uh, underneath a couch. She's sitting on a couch with Roger Moore, and like, it just shows the the full picture. And like, Frank Oz is just like stuffed into this yeah <laughs> sofa, oh, like performing Miss Piggy. Oh, Do you know God. what I love as well about this film, though, aside from just the the Muppets themselves and the story and what have you? is that I could imagine that this would have been such a magical set to visit because mm. it's there, it's built, it's tactile, you could walk around it. Yeah. All those yeah. extras in, in that uh, sort of courtyard there that we just saw. You don't get that as much anymore in movies. It's all, um, well, with Disney, no. It's and, the volume. And imagine, and imagine when they actually start performing, if you're on set and they're performing, the characters come to life. These amazing magical characters are alive and speaking. Um, and it's all in camera. I kind of like, it must have been, it took him a year to shoot this. Like, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, really? You know. A year? Yeah. It was a year. Yeah. Jesus. Is that standard for the films? I have no idea. I mean, so like for the yes, episodes. Yes, it is. <laughs> we'll just say so. <laughs> <laughs> on the TV, on the puppet thing, TV series that I was working on, like it would take us a day to film a five minute episode. Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! That's kind of fast, though. Yeah. I, well, I suppose that probably is fast. Um, but but like, you, were yeah, lips, no, you were lip syncing. Like the the dialogue was recorded already. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, well, these days movies have gotten so much faster. It's, it used to be you do an eighth of a page in a day, and now it's like no, you'll do eight pages in a day. Yeah. 
I just uh, on the lip syncing thing. Um, this is one of the final films that Frank Oz performed his characters in. Uh, so that so in Muppet Treasure Island, I think he might have done some of the puppeteering for his characters, Miss Piggy and Fozzie. But by the time it gets to Muppets from Space, he basically only recorded the voices, and then they would lip sync his characters because he was too busy making his own movies. Wow! Right. Yeah, because he so, did keep coming back though after he sort of established himself as a director to sort of. Uh, he did. Still... It's funny. I, like I was, re- I literally just had a quick flick through the Jim Henson biography that I have, and it's interesting that I, what we were talking about earlier on about like Jim Henson and Muppet Family Christmas and not realizing mm-hmm. that the characters were whatever beloved and stuff and you know there's a quote in that from like a letter or a diary from jim henson kind of saying like oh and even frank's interested in like you know coming back to do them you know to do the muppets because he's so busy doing his own kind of stuff and that would have only been like i suppose three years after uh the muppets take manhattan Mm -hmm. and she's back she's on screen miss piggy she is back (laughs) <laughs> Muppet Babies, though, I, that was another huge uh, surge in popularity for that that franchise, where it, it, it managed to give Jim Henson enough money from marketing or from merchandising that he could buy back the rights to uh, to all of his properties and sort of own everything that he created. It's so funny that, it. like, wow. yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent, and it's so funny that, like. You know, at the time of his death, he was in negotiations to sell the Muppets to Disney, basically because he wanted to do other things, but also he wanted them to continue. He explicitly kind of said he'd like the characters to kind of continue after him, and he knew Disney would be able to do that. But but apparently Disney... He was so naive. I think he had too much faith Uh, in Disney than uh, he should have had. Well, I... I think he kind of realized near the end. I mean, Frank Oz in in a uh, an article in the Guardian recently literally said that nego- those negotiations are what essentially killed him. Um, and again, in the biography, oh. they were saying that Disney, instead of focusing on the uh, key points, you know, of of the negotiation, or whatever, they would every every single sentence or word was a key point for them. So it was just like an insanely mad. Uh, which is and not, not Katzenberg, Katzenberg was incredibly rude and obnoxious and bullish that he wanted Sesame Street, and it was there was never going to be a deal made unless he got Sesame Street. Yeah, and it's like, can you imagine if they took hold of Sesame Street? Oh God, yeah. Oh God, it's a ble- like you know, it's a miracle that it kind of is still with PBS, isn't it? It's still yeah, um, being broadcast there. I just yeah. saw um, uh, uh, one of these. BBC archive videos today from the early 1970s where there was a, it's a panel show where the some of the panelists are giving out about Sesame Street and a woman from the audience like she gets she basically gets a chance on the mic and she advocates for Sesame Street in the most emphatic and lovely way and she talks about how important that the things that her children are learning from that show and the, the the positive messages and the you know and the yeah. fact that they see the characters you know messing up it's not always about being perfect and you know it's a, they're learning with the characters and learning with the adults in the show like i said in that episode they uh when i think it was a performer not a puppeteer but when a performer died they explained to the children what had happened they didn't sort of 
create some sort of fantasy for them where he'd gone off to live in a different city. It was like, oh, no, that's right. That was the whole died. Uh, Mr. Hooper, yeah, who who yeah. ran the local yeah store and yeah that and and that whole episode about Big Bird like not understanding like where Mr. Hooper has gone. <clears throat> um, and do you know the 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 reason that um or the point of Snuffleupagus is in that uh, uh, world of Sesame Street? No. So he's he's a thing that only the children can see, or he was for a long time. Um, and it was a way for children to explain bad things that had happened and have adults believe in them. So uh, he was sort of like a metaphor for uh, any sort of... Um, I I need to look this up now. But if you look into the the reasons for Snuffleupagus existing and being a creature that only children could see until he was revealed to the adults as well, it was that if any kids were were being assaulted or anything, they could go and speak to an adult and they'd believe them. Right. And uh, that was the, the, the whole purpose of that very sweet character. Yeah. But they've done lots of things in it. Where they, they even have a character who um, his parent was a drug addict. I think one of the Muppets had a a, a, a drug addict parent or had a parent in prison. They would like, they would not shy away from those things. Well, that's just the thing. Like this week, or was it this week or last week? They they had a, a special on you know uh, uh, vaccinations, and people were like, "That's right." going mad going like big bird getting fucked you know this is like you know it's all gone and and then people like pointed back to this episode like from the 70s where like they were all lining up to get like vaccination shots like back then and people were saying like like sesame street hasn't like you're all saying like oh it's gone all liberal it's always been like this Mm -hmm. uh you know it's always been on the right side you know of things you know Oh, sorry, I was just going to say this is a random thing that's just popped into my head about Sesame Street. Um, but so Brian Henson obviously directed this movie. He directed Treasure Island. And then the only other movie that I can remember then that he directed was The Happy Time Murders recently. Yeah. <laughs> but what what jumped in my head there was when they, they had a... a um, and interestingly, that he's Brian Henson, is they had a bit of a, a kind of a, a dispute with Sesame Street because all the trailers said something like, you know, less Sesame, more Street. Oh. In, in the trailers of Sesame Street, like, you know, tried to get, like, you know, got the legal people out to say, like, you can't use this. This is a movie, an 18, Whoa. you know, 18s rated movie, an awful Let- movie by all accounts. I haven't seen it. Let me just clear up what I was saying about uh, Snuffleupagus, because uh, I had it slightly garbled. Uh, he was finally introduced to the main human cast, mainly due to a string of high-profile and sometimes graphic stories of paedophilia and sexual abuse of children. Wow. Uh, according wow. to Carolyn Parenti, the writers felt that by having the adults refuse to believe Big Bird, they were scaring children into thinking that their parents would not believe them if they had been abused and that they would just be better off remaining silent. So that was... Why wow. um, he became a character that they all could see after that. So I had it slightly garbled there. But they thought, let's use this as a metaphor for saying that we'll believe you if you tell us something. Wow. There's something it's very sweet, I think, the nature of the. Yeah. The as you, as behind the scenes. I, of, like the thing about it is, is as you said there, Liam, kind of if the Muppets are saying it or Sesame Street, or Sesame Street are saying something is, you know is good for you or bad for you then this their their moral compass is, is always been so 
so true so point it's so well pointed to a true north that uh you kind of feel if you're on the other side of the the equa- of the other side of the argument then maybe you're wrong <laughs> i think that's the point where you realize <laughs> you're the bad guy yeah all those people like saying big bird is a yeah. communist or have you no he's he's saying that for children because they'll probably be misinformed elsewhere I always find this character, we're just seeing, they're all, we're at the dinner table scene around Bob Cratchit's house and the ghost of Christmas past is aging before our very eyes. And like the rest Clever. of them, it's very bittersweet. It's really bittersweet. He's such a, a joyous character and so full of life and he's bringing us through so much fun. But as you see him get older, it's that, it's that sense that now he's pure white and now he's finding it hard to walk and you feel like, oh no. He's, he's dying yeah. and that's what's happening to him the character that we do that we love that I just it's hard to see kind of like family films doing something do like you, this these days do you know what someone said to me the other day I just I can't stand when they show Muppets getting old oh. <laughs> which happens several times there was one in the one of the recent Muppet movies where they kind of just do a, a, a brief kind of Kermit and Miss Piggy that's right. The Muppets are Muppets Most Wanted. I can't remember. And it's devastating. But then, you know, uh, whether, whatever about the quality of... <laughs> it's a dodgy of, effect. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, whatever about the quality of, of uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion, the special, which which I thought was like... I, I kind of enjoyed it as, you know, uh, as decent enough for the standard, you know, which mm. isn't that good. Um, was Gonzo in that? Oh yeah, Gonzo. So Gonzo's the yeah yeah. So Gonzo's the main character in that, and Pepe is kind of takes on the mantle of sidekick. Um, so there's one character, there's one Muppet that wasn't in it because the guy that was the creator of it said that um, the actual Muppet had degraded and that it would cost too much to refurbish them. So that's why they weren't in uh, the most recent Muppet. That's weird thing. because. Unless it was a particularly sophisticated puppet, because usually, like, they would have, you know, they might have 10 Kermits, you know what I mean? Or or whoever, whichever puppet it is, they just rebuild. But, uh... Liam, you were just saying there, I bet you were talking about Gonzo yeah. and Muppets, Hans and Mansion. Yeah, I, was, I know what you're going to And I, this is like a mild... Well, it's a slight spoiler, is it? Would you say? Nah, it's, mo- nah, it's, it's not a spoiler. Nah, okay. it's but anyway, there's a bit in it where, uh, yeah, Gonzo is shown, like, as... is older self and he it is not just old like they show him as a wizened like it's oh it's it's, freaky it's freaky (laughs) like it's actually it's it's yeah it's quite distressing i did not enjoy that at all that was the most disturbing thing that's as dark as that film got and that was supposed to be a a like a horror a play on the horror movies whereas this film is genuinely kind of creepy like you know yeah look at this this is fucking scary. We're looking at the ghost of ghost of Christmas design. future. Isn't that beautiful? The way yeah. the, the material of his hood and his shroud um, reminds me of Dune. Oh, it's, it's a new Dune. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking about ropey effects in this composite. The Twilight Zone here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for back in the day, that was amazing seeing the, the world, the background morph. Yeah, right? yeah, that was yeah. Kind of like, whoa. What year did this come out? Was it 92 or 94? 93, I would actually uh, hasten to say. 92, so was, sorry, 92. Okay. There's, um, there's a, in one of the Muppets original... Muppets in rain. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, just these pigs have reminded me. There's, uh, there's a skit in one of the original Muppet Show episodes uh, where they sing in the Navy. Um, but they used to apparently all the puppeteers would pull pranks and stuff. And so you could see one of Richard Hunt, I think it was, stuffed all the pigs' noses like full of like, like kind of goop. You know, before the thing, and so you can see it in the uh, in the actual episode. But it, he had just got. <laughs> Why didn't yeah. Richard go by Dick? What Dick Hunt? <laughs> oh, Dick Hunt! All right, okay. All I'm right, a, I'm a bit slow there. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm 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 just freaked still freaked out by the Ghost of Christmas Future. And I love, we've seen, oh, look at his spider. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, fantastic. That almost looks like Pepe. It does a bit, doesn't it? So, Will, you don't have a favourite Muppet? Oh, I can't. It's really hard for me. It's really, really hard for me. I, you know, I love so many of them for uh, for so many different reasons. And yeah. to identify, to actually single one out, it's kind of like, oh, I love I love that collective. I love that group. They all have a great dynamic. Fozzie and Kermit and Miss Piggy and Gonzo and uh, Rizzo. Um, oh, no, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't say. I can't I say like which Rizzo. one I love. I can. <laughs> go on, go on, um, I know. I, I think. I, I know. I do have a similar problem to you, but I, I, I think it probably is Gonzo, um, just because, just because he is so weird, uh, especially from like the the original series where he was just like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> tap dance to like Chopin's, you know. Uh, did I, did I just read recently that he, uh, he's, they've established him as non-binary? Well, no. So, so what happened? So what happened was with Gonzo, there was a running joke from the very start where uh, they would say... Dress up as a girl, wouldn't he? No, but but it wasn't even... Oh, sorry. So, well, so what originally happened was that, like, um, the gag was that, like, we had frogs, pigs, chickens, and whatever Gonzo is. And so that was a running gag, even in the Great Muppet Caper, when they fall down from the sky in their boxes from the planes. (laughs) It actually says frogs bear and whatever so it would always have this like kind of gag uh, as, as guns or whatever but yeah you're right recently in the reboot the the animated reboot of uh, Muppet Babies um, Gonzo's character uh, wants to wear a dress um, and then eventually and, and wears a dress and they're all cool with it you know so I, I don't think it's it's weird like there's within the Muppets I've oh that's probably Twitter it's like it, <laughs> distilling it down to its most reductive yeah, sort of like, like Clickbaity. I mean, because if you look at like, I don't think anything's really terribly canon in the Muppets because like Muppets from Space is all about Gonzo finding out about who his family are and and they're aliens according to Muppets mm. from Space. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I don't know how. But this is what I. This is exactly what I don't want. I don't want like the, a, a fandom like who are because that's what I think that's what's kind of developing now. And I just as we've seen from like. Star Wars fandoms and all this, like it's just, it's just so ugly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the word, to- the word "toxic" it can become quite. Uh, yeah. In what respect? What do you mean by like the 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 fandom sort of insisting that they want certain things in? Yeah, it's just kind of it's it's just kind of a weird sense of ownership over over things. And oh I right, like, yeah, an entitlement I, to. Yeah, like and and I kind of I don't know, like I love the Muppets. I'm obsessed with the Muppets, but like I, you know. 
Like there was I, there was this funny thing where on one of the recent Star Trek movies, the, the I think it was Star Trek Beyond, they made um, uh, Sulu, Sulu. It canonically uh, gay. They gave him a, a husband, I think, and um, it was done. I think Simon Pegg said it was a it was a way to honor uh, George Takai. Uh, wow. But George Takai said, I don't like that. I don't want Sulu to be retconned like that because that was not what uh, Roddenberry's intention was. Mm. The, uh, there are other characters that you can create and establish them as that. And they've done it since in, in, Star, in the Star Trek universe. But it was an interesting thing where he was like, no, it's if Roddenberry didn't intend it that way, then I don't like it being changed against his um, uh, awareness. And I suppose there's a similar thing with with the Muppets, which is that you can have the best of intentions, but really you've got to stick true to what was the original formula and what uh, Jim Henson uh, intended for these characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they ever take any, like, they, they don't really ever do that much wild, you know, with the, the Muppets anyway, you know, with changing their characters or anything. But <clears throat> I think what you... You know, like the Star Trek example is kind of like J.K. Rowling kind of remember that time where she was just like she would just go. Oh, remember, right. remember this character like who was in, in it for two yeah. seconds. They're, They're actually gay, bisexual, uh, mm. you know, and yeah. it's yeah. just like what's the, you know, or Dumbledore is bisexual, but we don't mention it all. But he is um, yeah. just like, yeah, okay, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, but uh, we had one of the most devastating shots of the film where it's that slow kind of dolly open. We see that little tiny Tim's chair and his little crutch and his hat and his scarf just sitting on the chair. It's what, heartbreaking. What I like is that uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy's children, the daughters are pigs <laughs> and the sons are frogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I wonder, you know, something's just struck me uh, from the Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion. Uh, you can see at the start all the gravestones if you look if you pause it they actually all have yeah. the names of like puppeteers and, and oh, oh that's grim that. on them so yeah. <laughs> no sorry not like yeah puppeteers who are alive not like right. uh, oh, okay yeah yeah okay. sorry that would have been far worse <laughs> yeah but yeah so then and now we've been trying to look here see if there's anything oh if you can recognize any if, if there's any little easter eggs in there <laughs> but you know the thing about the say so I watched that um, Muppets uh, the Haunted Mansion one recently oh, yeah. and I just I, I just watched an hour of it I I watched an hour of it and I, I don't think I laughed once or I, I didn't feel anything for an entire hour versus me watching two episodes of the original Muppet show and I laugh every scene every bit sequence I laughed at least three times and yeah. I felt something whereas so you can really get a sense of not only the the low budget where you you know the low production value but just the just the poor quality of writing the lacking but, in the in the writing sense is there as well and i suppose the thing is like jerry jewell who wrote this movie was like the head writer at the muppets from the start he wrote you okay. know he was writing the muppet show he wrote all their all their movies yeah you know what i mean i think he might have written treasure island i think if he wrote treasure island that was definitely his last he was involved with that yeah he wrote that yeah um, and he was involved in muppets from space apparently as well Oh really? Wow! Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. that was that must have been his last thing. Yeah, he wrote your. Yeah, he's a credit writer on Muppets from Space. I have a soft spot for Muppets from Space. I quite enjoy it. Uh, I love that they did that. They made Gonzo the lead. 
I think that's a nice yes. sort of like yeah, yeah. Because they've it's almost like The Simpsons in that they have a deep bench of great distinct characters. So the fact that they yeah. can relegate Miss Piggy to a supporting role in this uh, it just speaks to the fact that they've still got so many other charismatic characters to to sort of push to the front. <laughs> They reminded me of a joke. I think it's in Muppets Most Wanted, where like one of them is like saying like I'm I'm leaving, and then like uh, what like uh, someone from Electric Mayhem was like, "What? <laughs> you can leave the Muppets?" <laughs> <laughs> Did, like didn't realize he could have left long ago. <laughs> there was um something came out um in 2015. There was a film came out <laughs> called such a Jim- great joke. <laughs> What, what, oh shit! Sorry, I was just looking at it. Oh, guns on Rizzo fly. He opens the window and knocks the window. two of them off oh, the yeah. balcony. <laughs> I love this cute little. This is the bunny rabbit I was so worried about last night. This is Bean oh, what's bunny. his name? Yeah, no, Bean he's bunny. the one. Sorry, he's the one that wasn't in the haunted mansion because the puppet had degraded and rotted, and they didn't build a new one. So oh, a fan was saying, why wasn't uh, this character in? Uh, the most recent. That's one. weird because it's not like you know. It's not she, like I mean, if they wanted to, they could have built that puppet again. Something about the cost; it, it was too expensive to uh, to Jeez. rebuild. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised from Muppets Haunted Tells Mansion you. because like everything in that was just. I mean, I know everything nowadays is like blue screen and green screen and everything, but just it, watching Muppets Haunted Mansion is just like nothing is real. Nothing that I'm was watching. real. Like nothing. There was not one thing. There was no. There was no waste to anything on yeah. the screen. There was no, like, what we're watching right now, there's, like, everything's real, everything's captured on camera, whereas it was just like, oh, there's a floating Miss Piggy head inside in a glass ball, and, oh, they could have, I could have, my kids could have, like, done that, and we could have just composited it in, and it just... Maybe, in a a weird way, Muppets Haunted Mansion was the cheapest Muppet movie ever made. (laughs) Uh, uh? Mm. Uh. (laughs) I think uh, the Muppets Wizard of Oz might uh, give that a run for its money. (laughs) And that had some great... Great sequences and some brilliant sort of um the the, the sorry the best best thing from uh from that movie um, Muppets Wizard of Oz was uh Quentin Tarantino's cameo oh I don't know <laughs> I did it. I, I I love that I love you know? that he did it but I, um I, the I I, lo- I love that just they cut you know Miss Piggy's about to like you know she's about to attack uh someone. And uh, then, uh, yeah, it just cuts to Kermit and Tarantino in a boardroom and Tarantino's like pitching, you know, all these violent ways that Miss Piggy yeah, should Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. But that sequence was great. The stuff with Miss Piggy where it, it, they were deconstructing the scene within the scene. It was just, um, it just looked so cheap. Like it looked like it was just shot on, on a DV camera in a oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, standard yeah. boardroom. Oh yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movies. I mean, that's what I mean, though. It was like the sequences, the ideas behind it, and the dialogue was cracking. It just didn't have the budget. And yeah, it's disappointing. It's like, as we've seen, twelve million for this, fourteen million for um, uh, Great Muppet Caper, eight million for the original. You need a sizable budget to make these movies, and wow. they just seem to be like shirking on them. Where I think uh, uh, that puppet was like 40 grand to be um, rebuilt and they didn't have Jesus. the money for it. Wow. Holy moly. Um, here, ra- random one that's not going to be interesting to anyone. What timestamp are you at? <laughs> Mine froze for, for a good oh, second there. Um, I'm at one sixteen. One hour and 16. Yes. There's 10 minutes left. 
Okay. Okay, there we are. Okay. There's is that yes. Okay. They're saying they're very near the end. But singing. what is you're, you're talking about character transformations, right? I love I love the little beast where the 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 guys who the characters who came in looking at the to he's reading the Scrooge looking for charity he kicks them out in the first act and now he meets them on the street and he says he gives them uh, like you know basically gives them money but the transformation is that what's the name of the character that goes me 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 what's his name I love him actually Beaker he Beaker, yeah, Beaker. Beaker gives him his red scarf and oh, all it is yes. all we need is that Ebenezer Scrooge puts on the red scarf and all of a sudden his entire dark dour um dress and how his visual look has been given that flourish of life and colour and yeah. Christmas and it's um it's just a it's lovely the, it's the power of touch. kindness. Yeah, that's it. That is really it. Comes in with his VCR. Whenever I see this I'm thinking Scrooge <laughs> <laughs> But it it's it tells you how uh, sort of rock solid this Charles Dickens story is that there's been so oh, many yeah. iterations of it and it works every time. Yeah. Except, have somebody the, except for the Robert Zemeckis Jim Carrey one that's the only time it doesn't work for me yeah, I've not but, seen uh, that yeah. Not seen oh yeah it doesn't work there it just doesn't work there I um, was scared off by um, oh, the train was it for old Muppets <laughs> I love them oh yeah I, lo- I like seeing the old Muppets uh, I like seeing Muppets at different ages I love seeing baby Muppets grown up Muppets <laughs> and old Muppets give me all the ages of Muppets <laughs> Like even these creeps. Ah, oh, it's such. It's so beautiful. So you see, you just want to stay. Liam, I loved early run. Go on, Kevin. Go on. Have you ever handled a muppet or felt or touched a muppet? <laughs> uh, that sounds that's, wrong. That's, that's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever um, been up close with any of the muppets? No. So, but weirdly, so in my in my capacity as as a as a radio and podcast uh, interviewer, I have so I've interviewed Dave Goals. Mm-hmm. Did Gonzo? I've interviewed Louise Gold, one of the original cast from the Muppet Show performers. Steve Whitmire, Kermit, uh, and Rizzo. Uh, interviewed him. <clears throat> and who else? There was someone else. I'm forgetting someone. Oh no! And I met Frank Oz. Amazing. Cine World once. Yeah, no. So I never got close. I I thought it was. You know what? I'm going to tell you something that absolutely crushed me. Was that uh, I might have told a bit of this story in the podcast, but um, when when the Muppets came over to do three live shows in the O2 in London uh, a couple of years ago, when I got there, I was just talking to some guy outside, and he had said, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the meet and greet." And I was like, what, what do you mean the meet and greet? And he's like, oh, it was, it was like 300 euro or something. And uh, you get to go in and meet literally all the Muppets and their puppeteers and get a photo with them. And I was literally, you've never seen someone go to their phone as quickly to find out if there were any of these left. And I would have paid like treble, oh, no. you know, that. I, did, I just didn't even know that like existed. Or seen. Yeah, it was, yeah. That, uh, it crushed me that the opportunity was there because um, I bought like two tickets. I, I went to see the show. It was on th- it, three. They did three shows in London and I seen two of them. Um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was the closest. <laughs> oh, Liam, that's devastating. I know it's devastating. Hey, it's only a couple of days from Christmas. You never know what Santa might bring. I, actually, well, sorry. I don't. Does this count? Um, a, a, an ex, an ex of mine years ago bought me uh, one of those um, kind of photo 
basically a life-size gonzo that they they brought out these kind of like life-size gonzos that are made look exactly perfect the same it's not a puppet but it kind of you can pose it so they used kind of them for like when they were taking photographs you know of, oh. of the muppets like doing so it wasn't right 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 yeah, so I have I I don't have it anywhere to hand to bring it over right now, but uh, it's a life size Gonzo. That's yeah. just class. That's I pretty good. Maybe, I, I'm one of our fellow, uh, one of our one of our extended members of the podcast family, Pierce Ryan. I think Pierce, he's got one of those. He, you know, you know Pierce. What? Pierce has got Kermit. They brought out a Kermit one, and he's got yeah, Kermit. Mike, and of course, got he Gonzo. does. Uh, he's got a gonzo. He's got a gonzo as oh, well. Oh, he's got gonzo I, as well. Oh, wow. He's yeah, yeah. I've seen the gonzo. The, the lads, look at this shot. This is beautiful. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Seeing them all together. This is what every Muppet film should end. is like a sing- all every the entire cast in one shot. Can I tell you, Liam, I've been in the Henson Company and it's a, it's a lovely little, small little village that is quite similar to this, but it's got, you know, gorgeous Californian sunshine. Wow. And, um, oh, do you know, actually... Uh, You've just reminded me, sorry, you're jogging all these memories. Again, when I was a kid, I wrote to the Henson Company and I, I was like, I'd love to visit um, the creature, what do they call it? The workshop? Yeah, the creature workshop, you know, someday. And is it possible? Do you have visitors? Whatever. This is when I was about like 11. And they sent me back and they said, listen, it's not, you know, it's not possible, whatever. But whoever got my letter basically sent me back this cool folder that had Kermit on it, and they they went. This is this will age me now. They went and photocopied a big feature on the Muppets that was in the New Yorker magazine, and they'd wow. photo photocopied it. They put it in this folder, and they also put two fo- two black and white glossy photos, one of Kermit, <laughs> one of Fozzie in it. Uh, and my friend, who also wrote a letter to the Henson Company, was raging because he just got a letter back, uh, and I got all this like all this like amazing stuff <laughs> that they sent. Someone's back. someone's favorite, yeah. And it's oh. over. Oh my god! It just minimized the credits. And it did, I yeah. And it went somewhere. <laughs> it's after going somewhere on me. Yeah, god. yeah. Me too. Oh no, that oh, like, it's a you know, lovely, lovely film. Yeah, beautiful. Like, film. I, uh, Top ten Christmas films, I'd say. Do you watch this? Like I, well, I watch it every year. It's in oh, my. Yeah, it's I watch it every night. Christmas. Film. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. Do of you the watch story it every year? Oh, I watch it every year. It's on in the lighthouse um, in the cinema. Oh, wow. Yeah, every year they screen it in the lighthouse. Um, oh, that sounds magical. Yeah. Uh, you reminded me, I read an article today about, uh, speaking of when you said watching it every day, there was a woman who said, uh, how I stay healthy is by eating a Christmas dinner every day for, <laughs> throughout <laughs> oh the year. <laughs> She's uh, just in a permanent coma. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's basically it just makes it to two o'clock every day and sleeps. I don't know if anyone is still watching the credits, but if they are, I just seen one for Muppet Milliner. Oh, the hat maker. Cool. Yeah, which is a very specific. <laughs> I make hats for Muppets. <laughs> wow. I did oh, not wow. know that that's what that meant. So there you go. Yeah. I just learned something. Yeah. Yeah. Milliner. There's a very famous Irish milliner who's, um, I can't remember his name, he's from Galway originally. He's like world famous milliner. Um, this is useless for the trivia. That's <laughs> good. I was just about to say, um, I'm going to know, uh, say that this is one of the greatest debut 
films from a filmmaker ever because he just smashed it. Uh, mm. For yep. And how old was he when he made this? Uh, he must have been twenty nine, thirty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It's interesting that, like, for someone to have made this and The Happy Time Murders, like, one of the best and one of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> well, Kamir, what a wonderful way to, to, to lead into the Christmas holidays, um, watching uh, Muppets Christmas Carol with my with my favourite Muppet, Kevin Lee Han, and my new favourite Muppet, Muppet superfan, uh, Liam Garrity. <laughs> Liam, thank you so much for joining us uh, in a, a watch along and audio commentary for this. It was a pleasure having you on. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. And have a happy new year. And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits for Will and Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin and Willem. For the films and the, the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. Okay. <laughs> you can't you know, what? <laughs> oh my God. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits for Kevin and Willem. Talking TV and the latest. Okay, right. I'm going to find the fucking thing. Because it's going to be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it. That'll do. Because <laughs> it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh at the emoji when I've actually listened. <laughs> I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, of yeah. course, I was delighted with that, and people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It was. It was. It wasn't easy on the ears in it, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug, and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis, or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm 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 Hogus, and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer, the number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly it's good. Did you do? So, Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. Know, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God, I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem about the telly and the latest film. Talking shit at the dynamic duo. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage, old <laughs> That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I I I, I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet, and does I that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be Squat in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, so I'm saying you just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man. I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create 
content about. Should I start the timer? Is this, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rearing okay. to go. I saw Madam Webb. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Webb film, and I'm. What is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent. Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies. But I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought... I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago, and I thought it was just tedious. It's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel. Is that what Marvels? Well, yeah. she's in it. Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel two. It was just sort of like it was another one of those films that felt like Ant Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and mm-hmm. airless, and you know you just have sound stage after sound stage and. I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films where I feel like uh, yes. there's nothing organic happening in these from the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels it's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh yeah. wow I just, I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry it feels like eating plastic okay on the whole, it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them. Yet, I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of the Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went into Madam Web, not really giving a fuck about the genre, but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it. And the trailer was awful. It had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's, she's shitting out exposition. And I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage. And uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played it out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, All I've seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but they've almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to it. <laughs> was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Kathy was pushing back and... I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Catty here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, 
<laughs> but you know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie, so I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I liked Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. (laughs) 